Squizplains, your shortcut to more than the headlines. Squizplains Christmas is brought to you by the Commonwealth Bank, a proud supporter of the Squiz and a bank committed to improving the financial well-being of customers and communities. With Christmas on our doorstep, we wanted to continue in our mission to be your shortcut to being informed by giving you some background on Christmas. Who knows when you might need a good conversation starter this holiday season. So, in this episode of Squizplains, we look into where our Christmas traditions come from and we'll tell you about some of the more surprising traditions from around the world. And with some downtime coming your way, we hope, you might be in need of some recommendations. We'll get you across the podcasts, books, movies, TV shows and recipes we liked this year. Ready? You're about to be Squizplained. I'm Claire Kimball. And I'm Kate Watson. Claire, a simple question to start, or so we think, what is Christmas and how did it come about? Yeah, it's one of those things, isn't it, that actually when I started doing some research into this sort of stuff, it was like, oh, right, okay, I didn't really know that. And you Yeah, know, it just kind of happens every year, yeah. but we don't really know that much yeah. about Yeah, I mean, of course, we know that it's the commemoration of the birth of Christ. And certainly when it comes to the Christian calendar, it's one of the most significant events. Uh, Easter is probably the other one. But, yes, certainly um, Christ's Mass, which is where Christmas comes from, uh, it's been marked for centuries as the occasion that we think is as close as possible is um, is around the birth of Christ, although we don't really know what month or date Jesus was born on. Um, the winter solstice, which sort of all comes back to all sorts of pagan and, you know, life on the land kind of times way back in, in the early centuries uh, after the death of Christ, um, marking it and sort of aligning it as closely to the winter solstice was something that they did back in the Roman calendar days. So that's how we come to the 25th of December. And we've marked that date since the 4th century, so quite a while. It is. And, you know, when you fast forward to today, you come uh, to about a third of the world's population being uh, Christians. Uh, it's certainly uh, one of those religious and cultural celebrations that is marked by billions of people around the world. Uh, it's evolved quite a bit since the 4th century. Obviously, obviously many non-Christians partake in the traditions of the day, gift-giving, carols, a special meal. Yeah, and things like Christmas trees and Santa and, and um that kind of character. But yeah, there certainly was a time in the 17th century when the Puritans put a ban on Christmas because um, they believed there was too much drinking and too much feasting and, and good times. But then uh, with the Reformed churches, we're talking about the Church of England and, uh, you know, in throughout Germany, that's a whole other podcast that we won't go into. Uh, and also <laughs> um, cultural elements, which we think are quite um, recent, you know, Charles Dickens, um, you know, when I think of Charles Dickens and his writings, I don't think, you know, way back in the early centuries, I think about um, something that's quite recent, yeah. really. Um, they're the sorts of things that brought Christmas back. Well, I was just doing a quick Google of Charles Dickens and Christmas. That's all you have to do to pull up a number of articles about how his book, A Christmas Carol, which was published, as you said, in 1843, not that long ago, yeah. played a big part in the development of many Christmas traditions. But Claire, it was really only midway through the last century that Christmas became accessible to more families, particularly with the increase in prosperity after World War II. And that brought a surge in the commercialization of the Christmas season. So as you said, we're talking Christmas trees, decorations, Christmas pudding, carols, and of course, Santa Claus or Father Christmas. 
How did Santa come to be a rotund man in a red suit? I like this story. <laughs> yeah, so it's interesting because I remember, you know, I think I had in the back of my head that really it was Coca-Cola that created Christmas and that was one of those sort of myths that I think I'd sort of half heard. But really what Coke did was standardise what we think of Santa by today's standards. So in the early 1930s, Santa was a really sort of gaunt and sort of spooky elf-like character. He sort of was quite skinny and a bit scary looking and uh, there was no real consistency in the way he looked. But a marketing campaign uh, run by Coke and run for 30 years um, in the in the late 30s through to the 60s put Santa as a very jolly, friendly, happy, fat man in a red suit. And that's basically the same image that we think of when we think of Santa today. Uh, marketing managers listening to this are going, see, Told it ya. works. Yeah, we're awesome. <laughs> Give me more budget. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. The power of a good marketing campaign, that's for sure. Exactly. Uh, whilst we're on Santa, let's jump in his sleigh, so to speak, and whip around the world, having a look <laughs> at a few other nations that mark the day. Starting with Sweden, Sweden has one of the oldest documented traditions of celebrating Christmas. And like a, a lot of European nations, Christmas Eve is the time for the exchange of gifts and a big meal with the family. Looking through your notes here, though, Claire, the thing that jumped out to me is this sentence, Sweden, the one with the goat. They like goats. Please explain. Yeah. <laughs> a big feature <laughs> of Christmas in, in, um, in Sweden is um, a little folklore character called Jorbok and that's the Yule goat. Um, Sweden has a tradition where this goat has been present for centuries. It's sort of like an invisible spirit that keeps an eye on Christmas pre um, preparations and you can even put on a mask and go what's called Jorboking and that oh. entails knocking on neighbours' doors and the game is your neighbour needs to try and guess who's behind the mask, which just sounds... One, a bit terrifying, but two, um, <laughs> not really all that fun. But anyway, <laughs> there's also uh, in the city of Gulf uh, a big, huge, giant straw jewel box. And uh, according to certainly the reports I've read, apparently half the town is intent on burning down uh, the big straw goat and the other half are really head on trying to protect it. But quite regularly, this big straw goat gets um gets incinerated so that's how they do christmas in sweden there you go let's move a little further south to the netherlands which we have chosen as there is one divisive christmas tradition in the netherlands that has been making news around the world always keeping you informed here at the squiz <laughs> black pete so zwarte pete um black pete in um in the anglicized form is a character that is basically there's no dressing it up it's in a person in blackface and what mm. they're to represent is a sort of Moorish character which is goes back to old sort of Spanish ties. Um, they're one of St Nicholas's helpers. Um, they have a sack and they have presents sort of much like you'd think of an elf but interestingly they also carry a, a birch stick and that's to smack naughty children and one of the things really in folklore is trying to keep your kids in line in the lead up to Christmas if they were really naughty the threat was that they'd be put in Black Pete's sack and taken to Spain so that character of course as you can imagine with uh, a person it could be male or female in blackface really has fallen out of favour in, in recent times in a lot of city, cities and schools Yeah the Dutch public broadcaster announced this year that they'd be changing the appearance of Black Pete 
Uh, so it's certainly a, an annual debate in the Netherlands and it's something that you might see in the news uh, around this time of year. The only other thing really to note about um, the Netherlands is their feast of Sinterklaas, which really is marking St. Nicholas, um, which, of course, in other cultures is Santa or Father Christmas. Um, St. Nicholas was a Greek bishop from the 4th century and really was the uh, inspiration for the guy that we think of as Santa Claus today. He was a man uh, dressed in uh, red with a big grey beard and that comes through in their cultural references as well. Yeah, plenty to be read about St. Nicholas. But let's move on to our final location, Japan. Only 1% of the population is Christian, so it isn't a big religious date, but many Japanese still partake in some of the traditions, and they have a special one of their own, KFC, Kentucky Fried Chicken. And um, as we mentioned before, a triumph of marketing uh, around this Another one. Um, around this time. Exactly right. The guy who went to uh, set up Kentucky Fried Chicken in Japan back in uh, the 60s really hit on an idea that when Westerners were rocking up to um, Kentucky Fried Chicken, they were saying that they were missing turkey at Christmas. So uh, Tashiki uh, Akawara was his name. He struck on this successful Christmas chicken campaign. And basically, it, it exists to this day where you have to order your KFC weeks in advance. And if you don't do that, you really risk standing in queue for hours and hours on Christmas. And, you know, they really seem to like their dirty bird on Christmas Day. Yeah. And again, if you Google it, there's all these images of people lining up outside KFC at Christmas time. There you go. What we're trying to demonstrate is a few fun facts for your Christmas break. It's pretty clear that everyone has their own spin on Christmas. Mine is very much that family gathering, Claire. We do go to church in the morning, big lunch, some seafood, nice glass of Chardonnay, <laughs> a game of cricket, yeah. a swim and a nap. Yeah. Sounds pretty Aussie. It really does, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true though. I, yeah, I am a cliche. Hey, what about you, Claire? Oh, look, as long as I get a good glass of champagne and a roast potato, I'm pretty happy to be honest. Roast potato. Oh, yeah. Like, well, I mean, roast potato is pretty good on any day, but especially yeah. at Christmas. Yeah, any day of the week, I'll do. From us at The Squeeze, wherever you are and whatever you're doing, we hope you do get some time to do a bit of relaxing. We thought we'd give you our suggestions on how you might like to spend some of it. Starting, Claire, with your recommended podcast from 2018. I really like The Daily, which is the New York Times mm. weekday update. Is it relaxing? Oh, look, I find <laughs> it relaxing, but I like um, good information. I think the way they present current affairs and information uh, in really digestible forms, and we're talking about some pretty tricky content, um, particularly with everything happening in the US at the moment. It's a, I found it this year for a 20-minute investment every day. It really keeps you up to date with the ins and outs of what's happening there. So, yeah, the Daily from the New York Times is mine. Yeah, and you can go in and pick topics you're interested in. You can. And have a quick listen. Not compulsory is, uh, yeah. to listen to all of it. So, No, you don't have to listen to them all. But <laughs> mine, we haven't actually um, shared our recommendations with each other until now. So <laughs> mine is also pretty dense. But I do think if you haven't listened to The Teacher's Pet yet, oh, yeah. it's going to be making news you know, well into the new Absolutely. year. Absolutely, um, It's a good time to catch up and you can probably skip through a fair bit of it, but it's just, I mean, it's history um, in media, it's history as far as 
the the story. It's important um, and it's very, very, very compelling. So yeah, and of course, um, Headley Thomas, the the journalist um, who put that together, won a Gold Walkley for it this year. So yeah. and rightly so, it is a, a a stunning series. Yeah. What about books? What are you reading? So my book recommendation, I mean, to this, you know, sort of there's a bit of a theme happening here, I guess, with my news consumption. I really enjoyed <laughs> Let Trump Be Trump, which is the inside story oh. of his rise to the presidency. It's a book written by Corey Lewandowski and David Bossy. They were both uh, really key people in Trump's presidential campaign and they're people who keep mm. coming up over and over in the context of the Russian investigation and all sorts of things. But it's a really interesting inside account about how unconventional Trump is and how that really hasn't changed from his campaigning days through to becoming president. Wow, okay, I'm going to have a look at that one for sure. I'm cheating and I'm making, I'm doing two. Oh, okay, right here. Sorry. No, that's all right. Well, I, well, I chose I chose a non-fiction because I do read a lot of non-fiction. I was gifted this year a book by an internet data expert called Seth Stevens Davowitz. It's called Everybody Lies. The book looks at our internet activity <laughs> and exposes the truth about what we Google and it sort of tells us how that fits into society. It's well written and funny. It's frightening but really interesting. <laughs> well, that goes, doesn't it, to the story last week that we were talking about with um, the top Google searches for the year and, you know, really it yeah. is the, the light and fluffy stuff, isn't it? It's It's not you know, what we think about when we think about ourselves as serious consumers of information. Yeah, that's, well, yeah, it is It is quite confronting, but really, really interesting. Um, and I also wanted to put in there Ele Eleanor Oliphant is Completely Fine by Gail Honeyman. I think a lot of people will have read it, but if you haven't, it's a great on the beach, you know, by the pool, um, curled up. Yeah, on, an, on a rainy afternoon kind of book, it's a beautiful story, in my opinion. I'm about halfway through that. I picked it up when I was in Hawaii and I look forward to finishing that off over Christmas too. Yeah. What about a recipe? So people won't be that surprised about this, um, although I'm still reasonably surprised with myself that I've really come at things like uh, lentils and um, whole grain sort of things mm -hmm. this year. But yeah. Hellenic Republic Cypriot grain salad, which was the big deal around the barbecue last summer is certainly something that I plan on doing a bit more with this summer. It's got lots of delicious herbs. It's got some good grains in it. So, you know, back it with a few good sausages and it's really terrific. I cheated. <laughs> I, um, as you know, am not that much of you, a cook, but I am getting I, better. You are getting better. I, I think am getting good. Better. Yeah, I'm getting there. <laughs> but um, my mum's shortbread is that thing that hangs around every Christmas and it's absolutely delicious. So oh, nice. um, we will put the recipes to both of those things up on our website so people can check those out. Love a good shortbread recipe. That's very seasonal. Lots of butter. Lots of butter. Well, yeah, that's, that's the trick to anything is just lots of butter it makes butter. everything better. <laughs> yep. Um, TV series. I really liked uh, Killing Eve, but I have to say probably the standout one that's really stuck with me just in the last few weeks because I only got around to finishing it um, quite late in the piece was the final series of The Americans. And if you haven't watched The Americans right through through from the start, really it's a it's a great one to to binge watch. Um, it's full oh, it on. I loved, up. Yeah. yeah, I loved every part of it, and the end was yeah still playing on my mind. I, I yeah, I need to watch that because as I said, it does keep coming up. Mine is The Crown. It's a bit old. I know yeah. a lot of people might have no, seen it's it, awesome. but season three is coming out in 2019. So I think if you haven't, catch up. 
watch the first two seasons so you're yeah. ready for when it does come out next year. Um, and my movie is A Star Is Born. It is still in some cinemas. If you haven't seen it, best movie this year, in my opinion. What about you? Well, we're, yeah, we're pretty well aligned with that. I really like Bohemian Rhapsody. Um, again, when you sort of think of the ones that are sort of sticking with your head and it's probably the most recent one that I, that I've seen as well. I hadn't, hadn't seen a lot of movies this year, but I really enjoyed Bohemian Rhapsody. And, um, to take a leaf from your book around, um, the book category, probably the one that I would stream if you haven't seen it, watch the documentary on Senna. And he was the um, the Formula One race car driver. Uh, it's a doco from actually three or four years ago now by um, by a, a really well regarded documentary maker, and the story is incredible. It's just so sad. I haven't um, fallen in love with someone and then just howled when they when they died <laughs> quite like that in that documentary form. It's just so sad. Oh, well, okay. If you want to so be depressed good. this Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Go with that. But what a life, I don't right? know how we should finish on that. Should we finish on that? <laughs> should have done recipes at the end. Oh. <laughs> well, you, you can mix that around, I'm sure. Um, we will put all of those up on our website, so just head to thesqueeze.com.au um, if you're interested in any of those recommendations. A huge thank you to the Commonwealth Bank who have allowed us to put this Squizplane series together this year. Anything else you want to tell people? Got a Christmas message from the Squiz Claire? Stay safe. Get back in one piece, ready to go. It's going to be a big year. It certainly will be at the Squiz, that's for sure. We hope you've enjoyed Squiz Blains as much as we've enjoyed pulling it together for you. Have a great Christmas. We'll chat to you in 2019. The Squiz is a free weekday email and podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. Sign up at thesquiz.com.au.